This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. The Informer Daily is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. At Joy 94.9, we'd like to pay our ongoing respects to Elders past, present and emerging. The Informer is funded in part by the Community Broadcasting Foundation, cbf.com.au. And of course, the members and donors of Joy 94.9. You can help us by visiting joy.org.au and become a member or donate. Any amount helps us bring you community-powered radio. Thank you. Today is Monday, the 23rd of March, 2020. This is the Informer Daily. I'm your host, Arian Potts. Today, news around COVID-19, restrictions and economic news. It's coming thick and fast. We break it down for you. We talk to an MP who is also an MD about the situation. What does COVID-19 mean for the future? We talk to futurist Mark Pesci about what changes we may see after this crisis passes. People will be short-tempered, but remember they'll be short-tempered because they are afraid, not because they're actually mean or bad people. When people get afraid, the easiest place to hide is in anger. We talked to Fiona from Chicks Talking Footy about the situation. How are community radio stations producing new content? Rachel Tyler-Jones explains how we're creating new content and getting it to you every day. But first, this update. This is Dee Mason with Joy 94.9's COVID-19 update for March 23rd. The government will be shutting down all non-essential services starting today in a bid to enforce social distancing rules and slow the spread of COVID-19. This means all pubs, clubs, gyms, casinos, cinemas and churches will no longer be open to the public. Cafes and restaurants will no longer accept dine-in customers, but takeaway and delivery options will remain available. Grocery stores and petrol stations will stay open. To assist people who lose work over these new measures, the government has introduced a new stimulus package that will offer $550 a fortnight to casuals and sole traders earning less than $1,075 a fortnight. Casuals and sole traders who have had their income or hours reduced by 20% or more will also be given access to up to $10,000 of their superannuation tax-free. Looking at the states, Queensland's council elections will go ahead despite stronger calls for people to remain in their homes. Pre-polling times have been extended and people are encouraged to vote during the pre-polling period, which finishes on Saturday. Victoria will allocate 500 police officers to a special task force to enforce COVID-19 shutdowns, ensuring that all venues told to cease operations comply with the new rules. Individuals caught breaking the rules will face fines of up to $20,000, while businesses could be fined as much as $100,000. Western Australia has followed Tasmania's lead by introducing travel restrictions that will require all non-essential travellers into the state to self-isolate for 14 days upon arrival. Restrictions come into place at 1.30pm Australian Western Standard Time tomorrow. People who do not comply will face penalties of up to $50,000. Exemptions will be allowed for those who live in border communities. 
Schools in Queensland, Tasmania, Western Australia and the Northern Territory will remain open. New South Wales will also keep schools open, but the government is urging parents to keep their children home when possible. Schools in Victoria and the ACT will be closed after today. The federal government homepage, australia.gov.au, has been turned into a hub for information and COVID-19 updates with links to information for states and territories. New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has announced measures which aim to seize on a window of opportunity to contain COVID-19 by moving to a near-complete societal lockdown within 48 hours. Military personnel will join with police in enforcing nationwide self-isolation under the unprecedented restrictions. Schools and non-essential businesses will close as the government ramps up its public coronavirus advisory to the maximum level from Thursday. Ms Ardern's announcement came as New Zealand confirmed a jump of 36 positive tests for the virus in the past 24 hours, including the first two cases of community transmission. The Canadian Olympic Committee said yesterday that Team Canada would not be participating in the Olympic Games in the summer of 2020 and called on the IOC to postpone the Games for one year. Japan's Prime Minister Shinzo Abe said today that postponing the Tokyo Olympics may become an option if holding the event in its complete form became impossible. Following an emergency meeting, the International Olympic Committee said yesterday that it is stepping up its scenario planning for the Tokyo 2020 Games, including a possible postponement as the coronavirus pandemic spreads. Prime Minister Abe said cancelling the Games was not an option. The Australian Olympic Committee has advised athletes to be prepared for a one-year postponement. You're listening to the Informer Daily on Joy 94.9 and around Australia on the Community Radio Network. Australia has taken on drastic measures in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Many people are now facing unemployment, Centrelink lines are absurdly long, and the MyGov website crashed this morning due to overwhelming traffic. The Informer got to talk to Victorian Greens MP for Brunswick, Tim Reid, about the health effects of the virus, as well as the government's response measures. Dr. Reid has experience as a doctor working with HIV patients, and reporter Nicholas Kamenyar-Sandri began by asking him if he thinks the government's response to the pandemic will effectively curb the public health risks of the virus. Yeah, well, that's that's a really big question. So using this time to strengthen medical system, which is what the government is doing, uh, is is the best thing we can do. And most people who get this virus will get nothing or a sniffle or a bit of a cold or at worst a bad flu. But a few people will get some kind of pneumonia and sometimes that will be severe. And the people who are least able to withstand this are the very elderly or people who whose health is otherwise threatened or damaged. They may have uh, impaired immune system, heart, lung or kidney disease. And uh, in Italy, it seems men were more vulnerable, uh, probably smokers, people with uh, damaged lungs as well, and particularly people over 80. So uh, a lot of those People with pneumonia will have trouble breathing and will need ventilator beds or intensive care beds. And uh, before this arrived, Australia had, I think, sorry, Victoria had fewer than 500 beds to at least double that and and possibly more so that we can cope with the inevitable surge of uh, infected patients. I think the government's doing a lot of good things on this. But what's really critical is what you and I have to do, what the people have to do to uh, stop 
this surge of infection from getting out of control. On the politics side, we're seeing a lot of states shut down. And so restaurants and bars are being closed. Public venues that are considered non-essential are being closed. Um, What do you think? Do do you think that you see this as a necessary measure? And um, is there more that could we be doing as well? Sure. There there's probably not a lot more that the state can do short of uh, a a near total lockdown, uh, which really we wouldn't want to do for uh, more than just a few weeks. Right now, with very little transmission, it would be almost premature to leap into that maximum kind of activity where people have to stay at home for, you know, know, uh, almost entirely. I think the, the current measures... Uh, they seem very heavy-handed, and there's a very there's a, a lot of hardship already resulting from what's happening. Um, time will tell whether this has been necessary or not, but it does make sense to buy a little bit of time so that our hospital system can build itself up so it can cope. Some of the headlines this morning involve Centrelink lines being absurdly long or the MyGov website crashing from too much traffic. Do you see, are you confident in the government's ability to support people through this crisis because people are, you know, being sent home from work and told to stay home? Uh, One of my mates, actually, he's on casual... um, contract work and he's got no more work currently so he's not got an income and um uh, do you do you see the government's current support systems as able to support uh people who are living through this crisis with no job or do you think that we should do something else like for example say a rent freeze yeah i'm glad you mentioned a rent freeze um i that i think is where more work is needed so a, a lot of people are having a their income cut or disappear entirely uh, if they've lost their job. And if they're paying rent, um, then it's not at all clear to many of them where their next rent check is coming from. So I I think a rent holiday, a rent freeze, and a ban on evictions is going to be necessary. Uh, It's bad enough that we're going to see a significant increase in unemployment. What I don't want to see is a whole lot of people uh, losing their house. Uh, So a ban on evictions and also a ban on the disconnection of utilities, power, water, internet. Everybody needs to still wash their hands and and look at the government website. And um, so so we've got to keep that stuff so that we don't end up causing more harm than we are trying to prevent. Uh, We've seen Scott Morrison is now offering uh, a total of $189 billion as a coronavirus economic rescue package. Um, what do you make of this? And uh, do you think that he could have done more? Do you think the money's going to the right place? Look, I actually think this is mostly good. I, I'm particularly impressed with the huge increase to New Start, which has been renamed the Job Seeker Payment. Uh, it's uh, said to be temporary. Um, I, I think it's likely to that that uh, should be made permanent. Uh, I would hope so. Um, and I think that, that that's the, good, the first spot to start. Whether you know, there's, there's going to be other gaps that will need to be plugged uh, that haven't been identified yet. But um, I think that there's uh, a lot to be praised in the current announcements. I, I think that the main focus, though, needs to be on helping 
individuals survive uh, and, where possible, keeping businesses running, although um, there are some that inevitably are going to close. That's all the questions I have. If there's nothing else, I'll say thank you for your time, Tim Reed. That's been a pleasure. Thanks for, thanks for calling. That was Nicholas Kamenyusandri speaking with Tim Reed, the member for Brunswick. You are listening to The Informer Daily on Joy 94.9 and around Australia on the Community Radio Network. We're already seeing some changes to daily life that seemed unthinkable days ago. How will COVID-19 change the way we live now and in the future? Futurist Mark Pesci has some ideas. Well, Mark, things are changing rapidly. What's uh, <laughs> what, what do you see coming for us in the next little bit and then maybe after we're able to go back to some kind of semblance of normal life yeah so i think the first thing we need to do is we actually believe it or not we need to start thinking like a virus um part of the reason we're also uh, upset right now is because we're under attack from an enemy that's invisible and we need to start thinking about how the virus sees the world which is that it can sneak around because it's really tiny and it can hide at all these places and we become literally afraid of one another because we can't tell whether the virus is hiding on someone that we like or love or whatever Mm. and so what we're going to actually need to do now, and we're probably going to have to do this more bottom up than wait for the government to do it, is really to start to move to getting absolutely massive testing. The best news that I have read in the last week came out of a little village in Italy called Vo. So it was one of the first 10 villages in Italy that were locked down in Lombardy at the very beginning of the trouble there. And they locked it all down. They quarantined the village, 3,300 people in this village, and they tested every single person. Everyone who tested positive, they isolated for two weeks. And this is very important. You have to isolate people away from their families so they infect their families. That's one of the things we learned in China. Yeah. Isolated them for two weeks and then tested everyone again. Only a few people came up positive. They isolated them again. And then everyone came up clear. And basically in three weeks' time, they completely eradicated eradicated all of the virus in that village. And as long as they wall themselves off from the world, the virus is not going to come back. Now, what we need to do is we need to say, okay, we need to take that model and now we need to apply it to the whole planet. We need to build testing infrastructure that can do a quarter billion people a day because at 7 billion people, that means you can test the whole planet in a month. And we're going to need to do that. And we're going to need to do that until further notice because that's the only way we're going to keep lots of people from getting sick. And what sort of changes beyond that? So, look, we have seen more progressive social legislation in Australia in the last week than in the last 40 years. <laughs> right. Let's just. Yeah. Let us let us just own how much this has concentrated people's minds about the way capital works, about the way societies need to work or can work. Um, and about how we think about what's important, what our social relationships are. Why is it important to be busy or is it just simply more important to be connected? And so I feel as though there's a moment here that all of us have to actually be different coming out the other side and focus on things that are different Mm -hmm. on the other side. The funny thing, and there are silver linings, it's horrible and it is horrible what's going on right now. There are silver linings here in that there's at least one silver lining in that we're going to actually decrease carbon emissions this year. Absolutely. Like in an overall level, the planet will be a little bit healthier. Australia will be a little bit less on fire. Thank God. Right. Yep. And it's not so much that we we've only kicked that can down the road. But at the same time, 
we'll be able to say, well, wait a minute, maybe there are different ways of doing things as we bring systems back up. Mm-hmm. The big challenge that we're going to see over the next little while, and I, I don't, I'm not going to sugarcoat this because I think we're up to it. We're going to have to restart the world, literally. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like that that joke from the from the IT crowd. Have you tried turning it off and turning it on again? That's literally what we're going to be doing to the global economy. And we get choices when we turn things on again about how we behave, about how our companies behave, about how our businesses behave. And we need to choose wisely. And what sort of practical things do you think are going to happen? Like, is this the the death of cash? I mean, it's. I think that's probably a bit overplayed. You know, there was some mm. question about whether cash was being, was, was, was literally a viral medium. Probably less true here in Australia because our cash is plastic rather than fabric. So, but is it the death of cash? Probably not because one of the things that we're learning is that you need to have a lot of resiliency. One of the mm-hmm. things we did over the last 40 years is basically take resiliency out of a lot of our systems in the interest of low cost. And that has come to bite us now. Do you have some examples of that? What we're seeing now is that because China went offline for about six weeks, there's a lot of stuff that comes out of China that we just basically by default gave to China because China could do it cheaper than everyone else, right? And Mm -hmm. because that was the case, when China stopped making things, a lot of the other processes that are dependent on the things that come out of China have essentially ground to a halt now, all right? Mm. So this is, and you know, we say we don't manufacture things in Australia. It's not true. We do manufacture things really well, but at a small scale. We don't manufacture things at a massive scale. And a lot of the places where they used to, they don't anymore because basically China's done that. And so that lack of resilience of having backups, Mm -hmm. and you think about it, we back up our data, at least if you're smart. And by the way, if anyone's listening and hasn't backed up their smartphone or whatever, back it up for goodness sake, please. (laughs) because <laughs> um, then I don't get a call when someone's crying because I've lost all of the photos of the children since they were born. But we need backups. Backups, they cost money, they cost time, they're a pain in the butt, but we need them. And we need to build a world that has some backups in it because we can't get caught out like this again because this is literally dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard on everyone for the next little while. There is no question about that. You know, I'd be a bad futurist if i tried to sugarcoat that it will be hard people will be short-tempered but remember they'll be short-tempered because they are afraid not because they're actually mean or bad people when people get afraid the easiest place to hide is in anger and we just need to give each other a lot of room right now to be a little crazy and to hold one another from a safe distance (laughs) Very tightly when we're crazy, because we will get through this. Mark Pesci, futurist and honorary associate at the University of Sydney. This is the Informer Daily on Joy 94.9 and around Australia on the Community Radio Network. It almost goes without saying that Australians are obsessed with sport. With AFL cancelled and other sports likely to follow, it's a really unusual situation. I turn to one of my favorite experts, Fiona Nash, from the show Chicks Talking Footy on Joy 94.9, for her thoughts. Yeah, well, this is obviously unprecedented. They started the, they did launch round one uh, without crowds in attendance. For us that love football, it was very, it was a very weird dynamic, just not having that crowd reaction when, you know, yeah. when goals are being kicked and things are happening. It, it kind of, I said to the to the other chicks, it felt like having a conversation with someone that's not making eye contact. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> that, real, 
<laughs> just that real disconnect. And um, so it felt very flat watching the football on the weekend. It was great to have it back and great to have something to watch that we love mm -hmm. um, during everything that's going on. But yeah, it was very weird without the crowds. And uh, your favourite team is? I worked for Hawthorne. So, so how um, did Hawthorne go over the weekend? Well, they did very well. They looked very impressive, actually. So I was a bit kind of mixed emotions about that. Like, mm. <laughs> we're playing well, but we have to stop. So, yeah, I think for, for football fans, it's a, it was a pretty emotional announcement. I mean, to no one would have predicted in a very short time ago that something as significant as, as sport could come to a complete halt. And uh, financially, um, it's going to have huge you know, repercussions on, on the game and the sport as a business, mm -hmm. uh, I think a lot of people that we know will lose jobs. Uh, and unfortunately in what would be considered not essential jobs, but um, where they've done, you know, really significant things um, like people that work in diversity inclusion, mm -hmm. you know, those kind of jobs that where we know a lot of people, they could be, they could be cut off. Yeah. So. And we've seen uh, sporting leagues around the world, you know, NBA, major league baseball in the U S uh, or the French open. It's not a sporting league, but you know, all these events are being pushed back. And it seems really unusual that uh, the International Olympic Committee keeps insisting that the Games will happen in Tokyo this summer. I know. I, I can't get my head around that, especially um, with international travel bans. And, mm. uh, you know, people would be traveling all over the world to go to that event. I just can't see how that could possibly happen. With the complete cessation of, of sport in Australia, what do, you, what do you think will happen to sort of satisfy people's appetite for sport and distraction in this time? Uh, I don't know. I think the next six months are, are going to be tough. It'll be a lot of Netflix and um, movie watching, reading books. It's just, uh, and people are just trying to stay connected in different ways. We've, you know, I had a virtual beer catch up with friends where we all had a beer and, and talked on Skype on Saturday night. It's it's going to be a very strange time, and we're going to have to find new ways to. I don't like the word social distancing because I think it's physical distancing, but let's not socially distance. Uh, That's a really good point. Yeah, we're going to have to find um, find new ways to to um, to connect, new games to play, mm -hmm. all sorts of things to to try and fill that spot. Because um, you know, for those of us who love football, I mean, it takes up our whole weekend. It's yeah, it, there's a whole lot of friends that we connect with every weekend on the foot through the football. It's mm. it's all that sort of thing. So it's something to look we, forward to in the Melbourne winter. Yeah, oh, hundred <laughs> percent. So. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of us, like the Chicks Talking Footy team, we've done so much work in this space around diversity and inclusion and, uh, you know, there's people that have lived on the edge of the football community that have been brought in that now won't have that as well. So, yeah, we're going to have to stay connected with, with each other mm -hmm. uh, in, in just in a different capacity for the next few months. You know, the AFLW season also was... Um, they abruptly stopped the season, so they're not even going to play a premiership. So they've, the girls have played right through, I think, five or six rounds, and then they quickly switched to finals last weekend. Um, but now they've cut it short even further. So they're not even going to be playing for a premiership, which is just absolutely heartbreaking for some of the girls that have been training since last year and playing all the rounds in good faith and then their, their season's not even suspended. It's 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 cut off um, completely. And there's really no other option because they can't keep training. Right. So they can't really play in a few months' time for a grand final if they haven't been training. So I uh, feel for the girls in, that have been, um, you know, they've given up. I mean, the, the girls aren't being paid the same way as the men. They've given up mm. uh, work opportunities. They've... Um, 
you know, uh, sometimes gone on leave without pay mm-hmm. to play. So it's a big sacrifice they've made. Yeah. And was it um, four teams that were at the, the preliminary stage or? Well, they had two conference systems. So it was the top four teams of both conferences that were going to play off in finals. And they had, the, they had some finals this weekend, mm-hmm. but then they were told they're not going to play in a grand final. Yeah, that's. It's really sad. Yeah, so it's just heartbreaking for those girls, but um, mm. there really is no other option at the moment, unfortunately. Informer Daily on Joy 94.9 and around Australia on the Community Radio Network. At Joy 94.9, we are working remotely. Rachel Tyler-Jones, Program Director at Joy 94.9, talks about what's going on. I'm Rachel Tyler-Jones. I'm the Program Director here at Joy 94.9, Australia's LGBTIQA plus radio station. We're a Melbourne-based community radio station, but we have listeners all over Australia and all across the world, thanks to the magic of live streaming. What is Joy doing in this weird time? We are down to just three people in and out of the station during the day. We've got one duty manager on. The only shows that are going live from Joy at the moment are Breakfast and Drive, and even then we've only got one host in at the studio. The other person in the team is coming in remotely, either over the phone or through video chat. Otherwise, all of our other shows are being produced remotely. I, like many of our presenters right now, am recording this from home in my bedroom. You'll hear a number of our presenters on the studio talk about how they're producing from their lounge rooms or their bedrooms. If you listen to Triple X, our music show on Sunday nights, you might be interested to know that Tanya recorded that show out in her car at 3am because she was desperately trying to find a quiet enough space to record her show in without noise pollution from her housemates. Everyone's really doing a lot of work to try and keep the station running. We have presenters aged 18 to well over 80, and even though some of them are still upset that we got rid of the record players and cart machines in the studios, they've gone out this week and started learning how to record and edit their shows from home. Nobody so far has turned around and said that they can't do their show. Everyone is learning how to make radio from home. That's 18 hours a day of radio that our volunteers are out in the world producing remotely. They're sending it back to myself and Jordan, our production manager, and we're remotely loading that up into our playlist. So Joy is running, which is strange and beautiful in this very weird time. We're learning what's possible with free and low-cost software, which is a lot. And I think we're learning that everyone can learn to do something that they love in a new way if it's for the right reasons. As you've probably heard, the whole country, but particularly New South Wales and Victoria, are going into lockdown over the next 24 hours now. And we, like other community radio stations, are waiting to find out if Joy 94.9 will be considered an essential service when the city goes into lockdown. We may have that update by this afternoon. If we do, I will pass it through to the Informer Daily team and ask them to put a note in. But for now, we're, we're still unsure. We don't know if we'll be able to access our studios to fix technology if it goes wrong or to keep ourselves on air. So we're waiting on that answer with bated breath. 
I personally think that community radio is an incredibly powerful tool. It breaks down isolation, it brings important information to people, it's something that you can access no matter how remote you are. So I think that they would be hard-pressed to make the case that community radio was not an essential service, but we're just waiting to see. What's working for me in this period is trying to accept what I have no control over, which at the moment is a lot. And as a program director at a radio station, that is a hard one. But um, I'm really trying to not sweat the small stuff. And when it does get hard, because there are days when it does, I remember all the phone conversations that I've had this week with Joy's presenters and our leadership team. And I think about the generous and positive responses that they've had in the face of so much change. And that makes it easier to keep working. They make it worth it. The response we've had from our listeners who tell us how important it is that we keep doing what we're doing, that makes it worth it. And that makes it easy to to get up and keep going and to stay positive in the face of all of this. I'm incredibly grateful for the team that I'm working with and the response that they've had in this situation. I think it's, it's brought out the best in a lot of people and I'm really impressed. Before we go, I'd like to hear about what you're doing. Have you taken up a new hobby? Is this the perfect time to try the Japanese art of bonsai? What's happening in your community? And what's happening on your community radio station? Let us know. Email theinformer at joy.org.au. That's it for the Informer Daily on Joy 94.9 and across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Thanks to Nicholas Kamenu-Sandry, Emily Johnson, DJ... D. Mason, Jordan Johnstone, Michael Strauss, Rachel Tyler-Jones, Ange Berry, and all the folks at the Community Radio Network. I'm your host, Arian Potts. Mahalo. The Informer is funded in part by the Community Broadcasting Foundation, cbf.com.au, and of course, the members and donors of Joy 94.9. You can help us by visiting joy.org.au and become a member or donate. Any amount helps us bring you community-powered radio. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.